What's up? What's going on? Welcome into another edition of 10,000 Pitches, episode 70. Reached the big 7-0. Couldn't do it without our friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And couldn't do it without my co-host, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dominic, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I literally spent all day driving the length of Minnesota back and forth, but now I'm back home and uh, looking forward to talking about soccer. So I should probably introduce myself to I over. I uh, looked over that part. Jeremy rushing. If you're not familiar with who I am, Dominic Jose Bazonio, my co-host, and we have a third with us today, Dominic. It's a Minnesota United round table and who else to bring in for such a conversation then Jacob Schneider from Zone Coverage and MLSsoccer.com. Jacob, how you doing tonight, sir? Um, good, Jeremy. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, I kind of wish that we'd be able to watch some MLS playoffs tonight. I don't want to wait till Saturday. Uh, I'm kind of anxious to uh, to uh, get back to watching the league just because uh, I miss covering it. And with no Minnesota United, nothing to write about, no no conversations to have. So uh, you know, let's talk. Let's talk soccer. I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. Hey. They're scared to go up against that that real intriguing Cowboys Saints Thursday night football game. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. I can't tell you the last time I watched a Thursday night football game. Um, maybe high school. They're terrible, dude. Terrible. <laughs> MLS should go all in on like Thursday night, quote unquote, football. I you know, uh, and, and I was uh, right up against it. That'd be awesome. I was a big fan of like the. 10:30 p.m. Friday night Friday night light kickoffs on the West Coast with Vancouver, LAFC, LA Galaxy, Portland, Seattle this past year and during the MLS uh is cup the MLS uh, is back tournament shortly after that we saw a lot of those Friday night kickoffs I loved it late night kickoffs late night drama chaos everything MLS after dark always delivers for sure um oh. but before we uh before we get going here with our loons round table um, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Let's you know when we drop a new episode. Also, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you have not. And also go follow us on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, but really just Twitter and Instagram. We're at 10K Pitches. If you haven't checked out last week's episode, it was a good one. little short uh, Thanksgiving week episode. Uh, brought in St. Croix SC Executive Director Nathan Klinecki. They're the newest club joining USL League Two alongside Minneapolis City. Uh, in the 2022 season. So more high-level uh, amateur adult soccer coming to Minnesota in the form of St. Croix SC. So talk to Nathan about how you know their, their academy system started almost 30 years ago, how that's grown, and how they're now kind of, again, adding that new tier to what they have going on over there in Stillwater. So really good episode. Go back and check that out if you haven't. After, of course, you check out this Loon's Roundtable. Now, guys, we have a lot to get to because – the team actually released their their roster decisions basically just yesterday morning or Wednesday morning, uh, if you're listening to this on Friday. So um, before we get to that, though, I kind of want to work in order, and I do want to start, because, Dominic, we haven't really been able to touch on this yet, uh, start with the playoff loss to Portland. It was 3-1 to one in Providence Park. Started well. Uh, Franco Fragapane scoring the opener. Really nice feed from Robin Lud and Roman Metinair uh, on the goal. You thought things were sort of starting like we've seen from Minnesota United, things uh, things rolling pretty well. And then after the goal, specifically after halftime, we really saw the wheels start to fall off and the energy really come down from Minnesota 
at a very, I mean, at the, at the worst possible time. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, do this in a, in a regular season game, but to have that lack of urgency and not close down on a guy like Sebastian Blanco when he's getting ready to fire one, like it's, it just, it was a little bit head scratching and it's definitely not the way you want to go into the off season. It's not like you lost a three, one, three, two, two, one, like battle, like, and you put together a good performance. This definitely left something to be desired to finish the season for Minnesota. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it, it really touched on, uh, in a couple of different topics we've talked about for many episodes this, uh, this season, just in terms of being somewhat critical of what appears to be uh, the mentality of the team or the way the team approaches situations, the tone, the mood, um, the way the team deals with situations where they would seem to be, to have an advantage uh, situations where they should be doing well and and how they often react to, to that. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting it, it felt uh, it felt scripted in a way. At halftime, they did a interv- uh, the, the broadcast did an interview with uh, Gio Savarese, and you know at, at that point it was one one at halftime, if I'm recalling correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was very calmly saying like, "Yeah, we're going to fix one or two things, and then we're just going to win in the second half." He's very calm. He seemed very confident, and then they immediately did that. The second play started again. Uh, and it just, you know, it felt uh, it felt like a tale of two very different managers in terms of how they were dealing with the stress of, of that match. Uh, and so that was very disappointing. And it, it, for me, I know that because of uh, his contract, uh, the situation of his contract, this may not end up actually happening. But for me, it kept the uh, the fire heating Adrian Heath's seat very much alive. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen it a little bit this season. Um where there seemed to be a situation where the the opposing team makes the proper adjustments at half to negate Minnesota United in the second half. Uh, we've seen that more than a few times. Uh, Jacob, going to bring you in here. We actually talked extensively on this during the post-loons post-game show, which you can check out in the 10K podcast feed right after the game was over. But now that you've had a chance to sort of digest this loss, the season-ending loss for Minnesota United, um, what are your overall thoughts and feelings on the way the season ended? Um, so I'm going to pose this as a question to either of you. Who is the Portland Timbers best player? Sebastian Blanco. Yes. I, I was like, that's the obvious answer. So I want to like, maybe think about it a little more, but yeah, hundred percent Sebastian Blanco. Who showed up for the Portland Timbers? Sebastian Blanco. Sebastian Blanco. Who is Minnesota United's best player? Emmanuel Reynoso. Who did not show up for Minnesota United? Emmanuel Reynoso. <laughs> It is, it's, it's, it's simple. You look at this. The, if you are a quality team in Major League Soccer, your best player needs to show up to lead you. Let's look at uh, Real Salt Lake. They, ha- they have been missing one of their best players the past two games. And they've, and, you know, they've managed without him. But now they're going into the Western Conference Final with both Demir Krylak and uh, supposedly Albert Rusnak healthy. Like... That's a dream for them. The Portland Timbers yeah. are now without Blanco. You know, they, they don't have him. Um, and then uh, uh, Dairun Espria got sent off uh, late in the game. Yeah. So they're missing two of their best players. Let's jump to the Eastern Conference. Um, the New England Revolution, they put on an abysmal performance against New York City FC. Who's New York City FC's best player? Tati Castellanos. Who showed up in extra time? Tati Castellanos. 
who also got sent off an extra time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we had the but, good and the bad there for sure. But when your best players tend to show up, Tejon Buchanan came back in late an extra time for the New England Revolution, gave them a shot. Too little too late, though. Yeah, and Tejon is debatably their best player. Like it's, you know, I, I just – I don't see how Minnesota United can go into a playoff game without their best player in his best shoes. Franco Fragapani played his heart out, but he also turned into he, – he, he let loose in the second half. He couldn't control his temper. He should have been sent off. Um, he's, he's lucky to not have a longer suspension right now. I was under the impression that MLS would come out and give him a two- or three-game suspension to start the 2022 season um, just for the simple purpose of aggression and intent to injure. Because if you look at that play, there seems to be an intent to hurt. And uh, the fact that nothing's come out yet is pretty astonishing, but um, you never know what's going to happen. But, you know, Minnesota deserved to lose. They, they weren't good. They showed up in the first 10 minutes of the match and they left in the 11th minute. And then they played the reserves for the rest of the match, it felt like. Will Trapp had his worst performance in a Minnesota United uniform. Um, Jan Gregorich was axed halfway through the season. And he's someone who I felt the second half of that season really could have helped. Um, there was no height in the midfield. There was no height up top. Romain Rettner is trying to send crosses in the box. You've got Edwin Renu who doesn't have height. In the box, Franco Fragapane doesn't have height. Emmanuel Reynoso doesn't have height. Robin Luke doesn't have height. Like, it's a very, you know, there's one style of ball they were playing. And that style of ball, Portland looked at it and said, oh, we, we can handle this. We know what to do. And they did. They literally took advantage. They shut you down. You didn't do anything whatsoever. The second half, their final 20 minutes of the first half, like, Gio Savarese put on a masterclass performance there. Adrian Heath did not, which, you know, um, it happens. You know, sometimes it's it's difficult to adapt in those situations. And Jeremy, you know I'm an avid supporter of of the quote-unquote Heath Inn. Uh, I, I like him as a coach. I think he yeah. has a lot to offer to Minnesota. I think he's definitely proved that he deserved to have his option picked up. But obviously with every coach in every club, there's going to be frustrations. I don't like his mm-hmm. substitution patterns. They bug me. You know this. Everybody who follows me on Twitter, they know this. But overall, I think the gaff has definitely earned a contract extension or the uh, option picked up per se. But, you know, Minnesota just, they fell off a cliff and they didn't climb back up. And Portland just watched from the top of that cliff as they tried to climb up. There's a couple more points I want to touch on in this match before we actually move on to the more pressing offseason topics. You mentioned it a little bit, Jacob, uh, the defensive midfield, which is so important to what Minnesota United does, did not come to play against Portland. I I mean, I I said it, but it, it can't be said more. It is almost like unacceptable how much room Sebastian Blanco and that attack Portland had to work with or that Portland attack had to work with, uh, especially in the second half. There was no urgency, no closing down. Everybody is sitting back on their heels pretty much and just allowing Portland and Blanco to do whatever they wanted. Was this just a failure on Minnesota United's part, Jacob, or did Portland do something in their tactical game plan to negate what Minnesota United has been so good at doing in shutting down attacks with their defensive midfield? I talked about this on post loans with you. 
But let's jump back to the 2020 season. Yes, 2020. Had to do some math in my head there for a second. Um, <laughs> but uh, your midfield pairing was Jan Gregush and Ozzy Alonso. And it worked really, really well. Jump to Extremely 2021. Well. Jump to 2021. It was Will Trapp and Ozzy Alonso. It was Will Trapp and Jan Gregush. It was Will Trapp and Hassani Dotson. It was Hassani Dotson and Osvaldo Alonso. There was... None of these midfielders meshed well with Will Trapp. And if you're going to build around Will Trapp, uh, which it seems they are, they picked up his uh, they picked up his option. He is returning in 2022. You need to find a midfielder who is going to mesh with him. Um, and as much as I love Hassani Dotson and as key of a player as I think he is, he doesn't mesh well with, with uh, Will Trapp. Uh, Will Trapp is kind of an Ozzy Alonso type player. So maybe you need to bring in a larger midfielder, more of a ball-playing eight, uh, like Jan Gregush this offseason, to pair with Will Trapp. Um, it's and- amazing we're talking about the type of guy that Minnesota United needs, and they literally just had him on the roster until Wednesday. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, uh, from what I've gathered, though, and I've got I've got nothing to back this, you know, just picking up on basic human signals, picking up on the mentality and training and such, uh, it just seems like uh, there was a disconnect between uh, Greg Ush and Heath and um, you know, they, they didn't, maybe something happened. Maybe something didn't, I'm sure something will come to light. Uh, but there was a, definitely a disconnect and uh, he didn't feature. And I think that's unfortunate for him because it probably hindered his opportunity to be in the 2022 world cup, unless he finds a club immediately and starts uh, in the starting 11 in January. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, He's a good player. He's a talented individual, and I wish him the best going forward because he's also one of the nicest uh, one of the nicest players I've ever had the pleasure to uh, speak to, work with. Um, so, but Minnesota United they need to find a new midfielder, and whether like, that means splashing the cash up front or in the central of your pitch, I don't know. You got a DP spot open now. Yeah, you also only so. have one rostered forward healthy. So, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Dom, uh, we talked a little bit about defensive midfield pairings. Um, I was, I wouldn't say I was very pro Dodson and trap pairing, but I feel like they got the most run together and eventually they kind of figured out a way to make things work, even though it wasn't perfect. Uh, what did you see from the defensive midfield this season as a whole? And obviously, you know, how that compared to what we saw against Portland last Sunday. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think Jacob did a great job of laying out a lot of the, the the root issues or question marks around the situation. Again, with the inconsistency of pairings, the the constant change, the ignoring of whatever the reason may be, but the ignoring of a really great option to be uh, in that pairing for, for so much of the season. Um, you know, for me, I think what stood out, again, was, was just that I never was sure what the team wanted to do with that part of the pitch. Uh, I was never quite sure what the plan was, not just the plan for one game, but the plan as a season, the plan as a program, the plan, you know, what are we trying to figure out here? Um, It doesn't feel like figuring it out again when one of your better options isn't even involved. Uh, And, and, you know, they had some, some bad luck with injuries. Sometimes there were other factors, of course, that were affecting some of that rotation. But uh, yeah, you know, that for me was, was, as as Jacob laid out, was sort of the biggest red flag was it was never clear to me what the goal was with that part of the of the formation. Uh, in terms of the Portland game, as as both of you have already mentioned, 
just a complete lack of awareness of making sure you should cover the most dangerous players on the other team, uh, which I believe is the job of a defensive midfielder. Uh, yes. So, you know, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was really rough uh, to the point of, of uh, the rhetorical question earlier from Jacob, you don't even need to be a veteran of watching this league to know that Sebastian Blanco is dangerous. If you've watched any single season of this league, for the last what five or six or whatever you know for quite a while now uh mm. you know that he is uh one of the more dangerous players probably in the league at least on his day you know maybe not every game but certainly on his day and uh you know i don't necessarily know who deserves the most blame for deciding to ignore that but clearly something was wrong either in discussions in the locker room or in terms of where the mindset of the players while actually playing they completely they completely botched that part of of the game and it more or less is what loses that game in addition to you know other other issues and other performances but for me that that lack of awareness of hey we really need to make sure we're dealing with the key pieces of the other team i mean how can you expect to win a playoff game when you're not doing that uh especially on the road uh yeah i think it's fair to say uh Basi didn't have a great match either and i think mm-hmm. uh when your left center back doesn't mesh well with your left center, left center defensive mid, mm-hmm. um, there's disconnect there. And uh, yeah. it, the only player who stood out to me that game was Franco Fragapani. And then he's the, also <laughs> the player who, um, quote unquote, uh, just had a fit in the second half. And yeah, it's you like to assassinate someone's ankle. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, no, moving no. forward, though, you know, it's a game in the past. Um, you could talk about it as much as you want, but uh, they bottled it. They bottled mm-hmm. it in 2021 or 2020. They bottled it. And, okay, let's go back. They bottled it against the Galaxy. They bottled it against the Sounders. They bottled it against the Timbers. Maybe 22 is their year, but they got to figure out their problems. And uh, until then, this team can't compete against the best teams in the league. Uh, there's forward issues. There's midfield issues. And there's disconnect on the back line. Yeah. And then there's also the uh, multiple errors by uh, your starting goalkeeper for the final month and a half of the season. So mm-hmm. it needs to be sorted out. And uh, if you want to compete at the highest level, sort it out. There's one stat before we move on that I want to read from this game. And to me, it kind of encapsulates the the quality opportunities that were gift wrapped to Portland. So the Timbers ended up with four shots on goal for the match. Obviously, they put three of them in the back of the net. Their XG, though, was 2.3 on four <laughs> shots on goal. That's good. I mean, that's more, very more than, good. More than 50%. So, I mean, they outscored their XG, but just uh, having an XG of more than 50% of your shots on goal, that just shows you the quality opportunities that Portland had and how clear those chances were. Um, so, one of the issues that we've talked about issues, one of the issues that Minnesota United has faced all season is a lack of quality depth, whether that is just if you if you attribute that to, you know, Adrian Heath doesn't trust enough guys on this team or not enough guys have come have showed up and shown that they deserve to be in the rotation. However you want to look at it, there have really only been 13 or 14 guys that Adrian Heath has has shown that he can trust putting on the field. That's you're starting 11. It was Ethan Finley, Hassani Dodson and Brent Coleman. We'll get to yeah. this in a little bit, but two of those three are now gone for Minnesota United in terms of those those bench those bench pieces. And that lack of quality depth, watching 
Minnesota and Portland and watching some of these other MLS playoff games, you said that, you know, your, your best player needs to come to play in the playoffs. And that is hundred percent true, but you also need somebody who can come off the bench and provide a spark and provide a real impact. And Minnesota United has really lacked that all season long. I mean, they've lacked that for a long time, but it really, really showed this season. And, and, and we were, at least I sort of bought into the fact that like, you know, they made some moves this off season. They, they built some depth, they built some guys where, you know, guys go down with injuries or international duty or whatever. There are guys that can come in and step up. Juka Raitala, uh, you know, I, I thought Hassani Dotson will play a much be- bigger super sub role off the bench than he did this season. Um, Nico Hansen got some run early in the season, looked good in, in spurts. I thought with more time, he would do well. But You mean to tell uh, me it, you don't it, think it, Fernando Adi is a good option off the bench? <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping we could get through this entire podcast without mentioning Fernando Adi, but there it is. But no, that's what I'm saying, though, is we sort of came in under the assumption, that, okay, this Minnesota United team has a great starting 11, and they're deep, and they're still adding to that. But at the end of the day, this team looked really freaking fragile in terms oh, yeah. of one piece is removed and the whole thing goes to shit. And we didn't really see a piece get removed in the Portland game, but in the second half, there were no answers from Minnesota off the bench on the field or off the bench. And that is a problem. I think that to me is the, I mean, you talked about one healthy striker, you talked about uh, defensive midfield issues, but to me, you have to address the depth issue. Because yep. at some point you could build the best starting 11 on planet earth. But if you don't have any guys off the bench, it's going to come back to bite you. And it did so against Minnesota United so many times this season. Well, I think one of the big things too is, you know, they had, there was zero quality on the bench besides maybe Nico Hansen or Ethan Finley up top. And both of those players, they're not, they, they're, they're not game changing substitutions they are quality players who mm-hmm. on their best day merit a starting role mm-hmm. and that's you know that's my opinion you know ethan's a great player a veteran in this league and um he is going to be part of this minnesota history but you know from a starting role position he he's probably not meriting that value and even off the bench he doesn't he doesn't change a whole lot gets in good positions does the yada 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 same with Nico Hansen. I just, you know, and uh, I know one of the topics you want to jump to is, you know, what the new roster is. And, you know, I feel like this is a good transition, Jeremy, but now you don't have Juan Agudelo. Now you don't have Fernando Adi. Now you don't have Ethan Finley. Uh, Patrick Weah uh, underwent ACL surgery this morning. He's out the entirety of 2022, according to um, a club release. So now your only healthy rostered forward is Adrian Unu, who we still know Jack's, Jack, Jack, nothing about. Is he a good yep. player? We don't know. Um, did he need time to adapt? We don't know. Is he going to actually start in 2022? We don't know. So uh, it just, you know, there's, I, we talked about it on post loons, Jeremy, it's turnover. This entire winter is going to be turnover. And if it's not, uh, good luck competing in 22. Tomas Chacon. That's all I'm saying, guys. Uh, I'm Tomas saying. is, Tomas is out of contract at the end of the year. He's not returning. Don't don't do that, Jacob. Don't well, but don't see, bring this, facts in this in this <laughs> conversation here. How dare Jeremy, you? you know for a fact that my bit for the longest time 
was the Tomas Chacon sign on a stick. That was my bit. For <laughs> yeah, like where is that? Is, is that within arm's reach right now? It is not. It's in my room. It's in the back? basement. It's in the basement. Oh, I'm in man. the kitchen. Sad. Yeah, but um, I remember the good old days. They've got an open DP slot, and um, what's it going to be used on? We don't know. Uh, Rafael Navarro reportedly turned down the MNUFC contract that was offered yeah. to him, uh, reported by the Pioneer Press, and the Pioneer Press elaborated by saying that there are multiple offers for the Brazilian forward, uh, and his intentions are to go to Europe. Uh, there is a Minnesota United staffer uh, down in South America trying to negotiate with him and his agent. Um, that has been confirmed, but there's nothing more to that. Um, but he's been lighting it up in the Brazilian second division. So they need help if they don't get this guy. Um, I don't know. Uh, it was reported today by Manuel Veth of Transfer Market that Vancouver Whitecaps are in pursuit of Ayo Akinola, who is going to be a quote-unquote free agent from Toronto FC. But since he's under the age of 24, he's going to have to go through the re-entry draft instead of free agency. Weird MLS rules once again. Um, and if Minnesota has a chance to make a play for Akinola, I think that'd be a great addition um, to the squad. Uh, I think he's a great young, talented forward who suffered a really bad injury in 2021, um, and he's already within the league. But again, you know, you need you need starting players, and that's a bench player. Um, for, to start with, he's a bench player, but he's also a good bench player. We know what he can do. But looking in the league, there's there's not a lot of options right now. If you want to trade for someone, go ahead. But again, it might be time to cut your losses with who knew if he's not the player you wanted him to be. Just just admit your fault and go and spend $10 million on a striker from Belgium. Go and spend $10 million on a striker from the Netherlands, Germany, England, whatever need be, Spain, France, Italy. Just, just do something, but get it right. Because they haven't had a good striker since Christian Ramirez. They haven't. Christian Ramirez, think... scored, he scored the most goals as a forward for this club still in one season. Isn't that a stat? Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that a that's stat? Actually, that's actually amazing. Um, do you think that striker is really where that DP money needs to go, though, at this point? 100%. 100%. You do? Okay. I've mentioned I to was you, Jeremy. more defensive midfield, like we <sighs> discussed earlier, how that's been an issue. but I told you a little while ago who I would love to see Minnesota go after to pair with Will Trapp. Um, and I think that it, there's plenty of players within this league who would be a great fit alongside Will Trapp. Um, mm -hmm. Who knows if any of these signings are going to happen, if any of the rumors are going to happen. But there are plenty of good players in the midfield within this league that you can snag for under 700K. You don't need to go and spend six to eight million out on a central midfielder. Um, he just, you know, the, the, the quality, the, the, the difference in quality isn't that immense compared to a forward. Look at Mason Toy, for example, 600K. Look at a DP striker. Um, look at Gustavo Bo with New England. Adam Buxa, DP strikers, okay? Look at the level yeah. of contribution there, you know, whereas midfielders, you can get by. So I think uh, shell out the cash up front. Uh, either cut your losses with Unu or uh, figure it out there and uh, <laughs> go from there. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's a weird one, Jeremy. It is. It is. 
Dominic, any thoughts before we kind of transition into going high level yeah. lines that are happening in the offseason? Most of my thoughts are essentially agreeing with other people's thoughts, but but I think Jacob makes a good point. Don't don't use the DP spot on on a defensive midfielder. I this is a slight tangent, but I, I preach this to people all the time. The Philadelphia Union, I and I only bring this up because it's another area that I focus a lot on, but what is now considered one of the best defensive midfielders in the league, Jose Martinez, for reportedly 325k so uh you don't need to spend several million you just don't uh you can find them they're out there but what you often do need to spend that money on is to get really really quality forwards so uh you know i i, I completely agree whether it's a literal strike or whatever whatever positional decisions they end up making with where to put that money i think the attack needs financial reinforcement can i make a uh, case Think about it. Not only would he be handsome, but secondly, he's a good forward. Olivier Giroud to Minnesota United FC. Oh boy, that's a big one. <laughs> imagine, imagine sitting from the press box, and then all of a sudden he just like as he's running on the pitch at Allianz Field, the sun glistens off his face. Yeah, we need now somebody to do jersey too. swap. We need somebody on Twitter who does those like jersey swap images to do a jersey swap. <laughs> Ooh. With Olivia Giroud in Minnesota United jersey, They're, some of those oh, high school, some of those high school fan accounts probably can do that for us. Oh, for sure. They oh, know they sure. know their stuff, man. I don't I don't understand these these fan accounts pop up. They're like 16, 17, 18 year old kids, and they have better sources than most media members. <laughs> they're like, so plugged in, and yeah. they're never uh, wrong. That's no. the thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like amazing. Kids, I, I genuinely know that one of those fan accounts is a seventeen year old kid, and this kid gets every single thing right. He doesn't report it correctly, and it's 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 incorrect journalism, and it bugs the living heck out of me because that's like a nitpicky thing from, from my standpoint. It's like it's inaccurate reporting, all that jazz. But he's right. He gets it right. And he's just I, – I know for a fact that this is a 17-year-old kid that's going to be a senior next fall in high school. And he has more sources than the parent who pressed the Star Tribune, me, uh, any other – the athletic. Like he gets yeah. this shit for them. I don't. Just surfing those Instagram DMs, Jacob. He's just surfing. Oh my God, it's wild, man! It's wild. But uh, circling back, no uh, DP striker is it? Um, I think some of the places that MLS really needs to look into are uh, uh, are, are g- the general Asian population in both the Korean and Chinese leagues, uh, the Russian leagues. I think you could even look in the likes of India and uh, Indonesia and Australia for top strikers. Um, I think it's a really undervalued area of football. And you could genuinely genuinely look in uh, uh, Russia, especially, because there's some really impressive players there who you could probably get on a cheap deal. Uh, look at the likes of Eastern Europe. Belgium isn't touched at all by MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, even look look at look towards uh, some of the, the some of the top African leagues. You know, Nuhu Tolo uh, is one of the best defenders in Major League Soccer now. Like that you find these cheap players, they're bargains. They turn out to be actual gems. Well, I mean, is so, it, isn't Belgium still, they're still like their national team still number one in the world rankings, right? I, I don't keep up with the FIFA rankings cause I don't believe in them. <laughs> uh, they are the, <laughs> it's like the, it's like the Ballon d'Or. It's a joke. Uh, oh, the Ballon d'Or uh, but, is an absolute joke. Yeah. But, uh, Lewandowski robbed. I think we can all agree with that. Move on. Um, <laughs> no, Messi deserved it, but Lewandowski also deserved it. Uh, give him his 2021 at least. Yeah. 
do that. Do yeah, that they should have done that. They should have given away two. Yeah. Agreed. That'd have been awesome. But anyways, yeah. all right. Um, but moving on. Yeah, go ahead. Circle. I'm talking. Nope. I, if you want, if you got to finish your thought, finish your thought, man. I don't want to cut you off. Olivia Giroud to Minnesota United. There you go. Okay, there you go. I love that. Actually, actually, it's a good idea. Actually, uh, so, <laughs> Jacob, a hold, up, a hold up striker. No. That's probably imagine Emmanuel Emmanuel Reynoso playing off a hold up striker. That would be you fantastic. Know? That would so. be, that would be I think ideal. But again. We'll see what happens. All right, we will get right back into the conversation in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Stimulus Athletic. A lot of exciting stuff happening at Stimulus, including a relaunch of the Anguillan National Team jerseys. If you want to buy the white kit, the blue kit, the alternate kit, you can buy either of them. The shorts too, the socks too, you get the whole thing. Over at Stimulus Athletic. Um, I don't think it's at stimulusathletic.com. You follow them on Twitter at info underscore stimulus. You can find the link to buy yourself some Anguilla National Team gear. Also, a the latest partnership with the American Outlaws is up. You got zip-ups, quarter zips, jerseys, sweatshirts, everything to keep you warm during those uh winter world cup qualifiers whether it's in columbus or here in st paul so get yourself outfitted with some great stuff it's that's honestly it's better than the stuff the national team puts out i promise and it's a lot cheaper too so go to stimulusathletic.com but if you want to get in on the american outlaws merch on the Anguilla national team merch just follow them on twitter at info underscore stimulus links to both of those stores are available there don't forget too they got that store opening up that merch store it's happening over by your friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee in Northeast Minneapolis. We'll also house the new Minneapolis City Club Store as well. And I would be remiss if I did not mention that if you are a team that is looking for somebody to outfit your club next season with quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices, if you want to use the same uh, distributor, the same company that Minneapolis City uses, that Tulsa Athletic use, that Flora FC uses, that Joy of the People uses. You have to go with Stimulus Athletic. Quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices. StimulusAthletic.com. Click that Get Started button. Let him know. Jeremy from 10,000 Pitches sent you there so you can get your team set up in a... Uh, so you can get your team set up to look good, feel good, and play good next summer, courtesy of Stimulus Athletic. All right, right back into the convo we go. Um, so again, these offseason storylines, we touched on a few of these. Um, Adrian Heath's option picked up for 2022 earlier in the year, reported by Jeff Reuter of The Athletic. Um, fourth fourth, and fifth place finishes in the West over the last three years. Uh, Western Conference final appearance in 2019, safe to say, or excuse me, 2020, but safe to say we expected more from this team this season. Uh, in terms of uh, how far they'd go and where they'd finish. Um, Loons are slash were reportedly pursuing 21-year-old Brazilian forward Rafael Navarro, which would be part of the new MLSU 22 initiative, that young money that we like to talk about all the time. Um, so there was an existing report confirmed last month by Andy Grader of the Pioneer Press. Uh, seems like things, though, have taken a turn for the worse in recent weeks. Multiple reports out of Brazil say Navarro has rejected the Loons' offer um, and the sides are now pretty far apart in the negotiations. Uh, Navarro does have 15 goals and nine assists and 37 appearances uh, in uh, Serie B there 
in um, or in the second division uh, in Brazil, I should say. Uh, Ethan Finley reportedly turned down an offer to stay in Minnesota and will test the free agent market. Um, and then one we haven't touched on, guys, and uh, this one I definitely want to expand upon here. Goalkeeper Dane St. Clair signs a three-year extension with Minnesota, which keeps him in a loon's uniform through 2024. I want to get your thoughts, but my initial reaction is Tyler Miller's getting moved for all the TAM in the world. That that exists. That was my initial reaction. As I've had time to sit on it, I'm like, maybe, maybe not, but that was my knee-jerk reaction that this may spell the end for Tyler Miller in a Minnesota United uniform. What do you guys think? You're not going to get more than 200K for him. I, I don't think he's worth more than that. He's an error-prone goalkeeper, unfortunately. Uh, he's a great guy, great goalkeeper, but error-prone. And I think teams realize that. And I think, uh, if anything, he goes back to LAFC. Um, they cut ties with Jamal Blackman today. They didn't pick up his contract. And then uh, Sissy Nega is also out of contract and a free agent. So they need a goalkeeper. And 150 200K. I don't think Minnesota says no. You know, I, I get that, Jacob. I just think with the year that he had, like if you look at the full year, he was one of, he was a top three goalkeeper in this league statistically for much of the season. I think he, even with the, the lack of quality he showed down the stretch, he was still ended up top five or six in goals against average. Uh, so I do think that even if, even if it is 200K, I, I don't think – I think this is the ceiling in terms of what you're going to get for him if you're Minnesota United. I do not think that he is in – you know, if, if you're going to go all in on MLS Cup next year, maybe. But there's not – to me, there's not enough of a difference between Tyler Miller and Dane St. Clair to say that you need Tyler Miller next season if you're going to make an MLS Cup run which I think that's in the cards for Minnesota United. It should be an expectation that they're going to make a run at this thing next year, or at least sometime in the next two years. If you With give the be- kid the contract, play him. Absolutely. You gave him the contract, you need to play him because he is a top goalkeeper. He should be starting for the Canadian national team or at least be their second string keeper. He, he had that opportunity before the 2021 season, and then he was benched uh, rather unfairly to – in my opinion, I've expressed that, uh, but he's a top goalkeeper. He's a very, very talented kid, and uh, you sign him to a new contract, you have to give him the reins. You have to. Dominic, your thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, uh, I I agree with also Jacob's silent applause that I'm going to call out. That to your point that uh, when you said that you know there's not necessarily discernible difference between. Miller and, and St. Clair in, in terms of, you know, who deserves uh, how they performed and who deserves that position. Uh, and I think you should be going, you should be investing in the younger option that has a higher ceiling. Um, yeah. There's no reason yes. to give him that. There's no reason to be giving him that contract. If you're not going to play him to Jacob's point. I mean, if you're not going to play him, what, what is, you know, what is the benefit of that? And uh, I, 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 think it was you, Jeremy, that said this. Uh, I don't think having Miller around benefits the team's, you know, MLS Cup dreams in any particular way. Uh, and even if you don't to get a huge sum for him, I, I do agree he probably doesn't go for nearly as much as, you know, he would have in his prime LAFC days. Uh, you can probably still find a way to to turn that into some sort of building block towards, you know, roster progression. Um 
And, you know, I mean, I, I, I would much rather see Dane St. Clair become the focus of this team. Uh, whether and whatever that means for Miller, you know, I guess that's for other people to decide, but even if he's still around, I think St. Clair should be the one playing. I think what you touched on there, Dominic, is really important. I love Tyler Miller. He brought great things to this organization. I mean, he's been, you know, when he was hurt last season, he was on broadcast with Cal and Kendra, the mustache thing. Like, he's a great, great individual, and he's been great to have on this team. We know his ceiling. It's a good ceiling. It's top third, top 25% of goalkeepers in MLS, probably. But yeah. we the ceiling for Dane St. Clair, the projected ceiling for Dane St. Clair as of right now looks to be much higher than that. He's he's and, you know, he's and, possibly a European caliber goalkeeper. And he's not going to reach that level if you don't play him. That's the yeah. thing. That's gonna hold him back from contributing to the team, but it's gonna hold him back from his own development and his own aspirations. And that could play a, a factor when it comes to how he acts in the locker room, how he how he responds to to coaching. Uh, if you limit his development by not playing him, that could have aspirations that stretch far beyond his contributions to your own team on the field. And I, and I know for a fact Dane wants to play in in Cutter. He wants he wants to make the Canadian national team. He wants to go to the World Cup. He can't do that unless he's starting. So we'll see. All right. Next topic as I scroll through the notes here. Um, so we know the roster decisions for Minnesota United. Those were released Wednesday morning. I'm going to run through these very, very quickly. In addition to Dane St. Clair, uh, Michael Boxall, who we already know, Hassani Dotson, Chase Gasper, all received new contracts that will start in 2022. Contract options pick up, Nabi Kimanguchi, Justin McMaster, Colin Montgomery, DJ Taylor, and the two most notable pickups in terms of contract options, Roman Metnair and Will Trapp. Contract options declined, Fernando Adi, Juan Agadello, Noah Billingsley, Adrian Zendejas, Juka Raitala, and Woodbury's own Brent Coleman will be finding a new home for the first time as a pro. Um, contract options decline, or excuse me, sorry, I already went through that. Um, Ethan Finley and Ozzy Alonzo are free agents, uh, which means that they did not have contract options to be picked up. Their contracts were up and they were not renewed, whether that means that they decided to test the free agent market or Minnesota United decided to not bring them back on or not offer them an extension. Not sure where those negotiations were. Again, it was reported that Finley did turn down an offer from Minnesota to test the free agent market. Not sure where those discussions were with Ozzy, but those two are free agents. Um, so you have work to do. We've discussed this, but you have holes to fill, new guys to bring in. We've talked about DP striker. We've talked about defensive midfield. We talked about depth. To you guys, what is the one place that Minnesota United needs to add next season more than any other? Dominic, we can't have the same answer here, but I know we're going to have the same answer. We might. Well, there's a lot of answers to be honest, but well, we we kind of already agreed on where to spend the DP spot earlier, mm -hmm. so that's probably what you're going to say. Yeah, it's got to be center forward. <laughs> it's got to be center forward. <laughs> you can't win games unless you can score goals, Jeremy. 
And you can go. You can go to draw. I heard that goals change games somewhere. I don't know where Maybe. I heard you, that, but you can get that zero zero draw, and you can be RSL in the playoffs against <laughs> the Seattle Sounders, but you cannot make the playoffs that way. Uh, and mm. you know, if the goals don't come from your center forward, they're going to come from everywhere else on the pitch. But that's not good enough. You need a goal scorer. Yeah. You can throw a Sonny Dotson in the midfield yeah. alongside Will Trap and be fine if you have a good striker because you're going to score goals. If you don't score goals, then that midfield pairing is worthless. Yeah. Um, I, I will have a different answer, but just to add to that, because it's kind of, it's the obvious, it's the, it's the real answer. Um, yeah. And, you know, as we pointed out before, realistically, you can, you know, say use that DP spot on a forward and you can still probably get some interesting options for the defensive midfield or other positions for a more affordable price. It's not like you can only buy one player where it's just, you know, maybe put most of the money into one where you really, really need a new, a new option. Um, I guess, you know, we talked about this a little earlier, so I'll, I'll just say this to have another answer. I think the position we, uh, we should spend some money on is, is the bench and having, <laughs> having, you know, other, players than the first 11 or the starting 11 to use. I mean, we already talked about this in this episode, but um, it just what the bench wasn't good enough this year and, and other seasons as well. That's been a problem. And uh, to the, to the point I made about just a bit ago about you can spend less money on other positions and still get good options. That goes the same with the bench. You're not, you know, using DP money to, to get bench players. Um, they'll be much more affordable than that, but there needs to be better, better scouting, better organizing about how to get those players and who those players are. Uh, just way too often this season and in the past as well, it, the bench at sometimes has ended up just looking like this hodgepodge of, of faces that some you know aren't you're not even going to see play the whole year. They're just going to be there, and and you know when some of them do come on, they have very little impact. Uh, you can't do that and expect to to go far. The fact that that the team's done as well as it has operating with that kind of bench at times it's actually been surprising. Um, so, you know, I guess that'll be my answer is, is reinforcing in a much more serious, accurate way. And we haven't touched on this, but next season having quality depth off the bench is going to be more important than ever because, because, because of the world cup, Condensed. you're fitting 34 matches into eight months. Or excuse me, thirty-four regular season matches into seven months, and then the playoffs, and and then players have international duty too. In There's that the US sort Open of cup returning, yeah. So in that scenario, I just dropped my pen. Uh, in that scenario, the teams that thrive are gonna be the teams that can use those five subs that they're given strategically and have guys that they can rely on to bring on in the 50th, 55th minute, halftime, whatever it is, to get them through the match and to get them through the week and to get them through the weekend and maximize points when you're rotating. That is going to be the team. You're going to see those teams really, really thrive next season. And it could be teams we're not used to seeing because that's going to be much more of an emphasis next season is who are the horses you can bring off the bench and who are the guys in the, in the second half who can make an impact? Minnesota United has none of that right now. They have zero semblance of that at this point. 
So they're building from the ground up there. I mean, you can't get any worse. I I don't think. Maybe you can. But you need you need to focus on that. And that to me, Dom, that's where I think they need to they need to focus on. Yes, they could use another striker. Yes, they could use defensive midfield help. But you gotta you gotta find guys who can make an impact when you call upon them at our mark. And who can who can really come in and change the game? We've seen it in the playoffs. Some of these t- RSL. What what happened? <laughs> Anderson Julio. I'm telling Anderson, you, man. Anderson Julio. Those are the teams that really, really you you see it at the most opportune times. When if you have quality off the bench, it will shine. But also, if you have passion yeah. off the bench. Yeah. There's no you passion guys coming want off the Minnesota too. United's bench. There's, Nico there's, Hansen, there's a mentality aspect to it as well. Nico Hansen correct. looked uh, abysmal off the bench, and he's typically an energetic player. Mm-hmm. Anderson Julio came off the bench for RSL, and he was an absolute menace, a menace, and he scored that goal. He scored that goal to send them to the Western Conference final. Like, or Bobby Wood did. He's uh, Anderson Julio scored the first one, then Bobby Wood scored the second. Yes, he scored the equalizer, and then Bobby Wood got but like. Got- to put them in front come on man like talk talk to me about people who are are passionate and and want this and have the determination and it's like it's beautiful to watch that's what football is all about like and then you watch that minnesota united second half against portland and it's like can we go home yet (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. when's our flight when's our flight when do i get to go back yeah i mean that was probably the fans reaction to over there so yeah Oh, we oh we don't leave till eleven thirty Pacific time. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there were a lot of beverages consumed at the airport prior to. They that. they they all looked at each other like, all right. So what is the closest bar to the airport, but outside of the airport due to prices? True, true. Yeah, I, I thought they would decide. Okay, so are we going to get through security and then get drunk, or are we going to find a bar then go through security? Uh, yeah, it depends. Either way, yes, I, I think maybe we all agree. Up the tab. Maybe, probably not, but maybe. Uh, if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, that's fine. Uh, but uh, I think we all agree, kind of the spots where Minnesota United needs to add. But I do think we disagree in kind of where where those priorities lie, which is fine. I think the priorities, though, I think we w- there might be slight disagreement, but I think we can all agree that the places we've listed are all technically priorities like mm-hmm. defensive midfielder is a priority the bench is a priority striker is a priority if you picture three things that's what needs to happen we've yeah. mentioned him a couple times and i want to transition into talking about him right now this uh this was kind of a weird year for hasani dotson he seemed to be in a little bit of no man's land um, his flexibility wasn't necessarily used as much. He really, I mean, I, I, I guess it was, but he was put in positions where I think he really was expected to sort of thrive in a position that you shouldn't expect him to thrive. I think left wing is not a position that you expect to sign <laughs> to do anything at. Um, I forgot about that. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, why, so what, that doesn't need to be brought up, man. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> he is a proper uh, eight. He plays yeah. – he is the type of player who should be playing with an eight next to him and a six beneath him. 
He should not be paired next to a six. He needs to be paired with an eight with a six beneath him. A four, one, two, three, one. I don't know. Something, something like that. Like, I don't even, I think that's one too many. Maybe a, a, a four, <laughs> one, two, one, two. A four, one, two, one, two. You know, maybe that's it. But he's he's not a six. Don't play him as a six. It's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Like, he is a proper footballer, and you're playing him out of position constantly. And uh, it's incredibly unfortunate. So I don't blame him for anything. I don't blame him for his the season he's had. He's been played out of position since he arrived in Minnesota, um, and we know his quality. Uh, we saw it with the uh, USU 23s uh, in Olympic qualifying with Jason Kreese, even though Jason Kreese was their coach, unfortunately. Um, we saw it. He's, he's a quality footballer. We know it. He only scores bangers. Um, I just I wish I wish he'd be in a proper position because I do think he's a starting caliber player in this league. Does does that give us any thought that maybe he ends up somewhere aside from Minnesota? Maybe 100%. a team sees that potential in him and they not wouldn't say overpay, maybe properly pay, uh, to bring him on and and play him correctly. He and might be the most Minnesota United in that uh, they probably they shouldn't. They shouldn't, but I'm guessing they would. Mm-hmm. Just because he doesn't contribute enough. But he's going to be a bargain signing if that happens. Dom, you're making some faces over there. No, I mean everything you're saying is is sounds like it could totally happen. I yep. completely, I'm not like you know arguing that. I, it just it makes me sad the way the Mason Toy situation made me sad. It makes me sad the way that the St. Clair situation could have gone if if you know maybe we had chose Miller over him and maybe he didn't sign this deal or whatever. Um, but, but the toy one obviously actually happened. Uh, it, it just makes me sad because as both of you have been saying, Dotson is clearly so good. Um, but we're potentially just going to lose him because we just don't want to figure out how to make it work. Yeah, and maybe. yeah. Maybe and four, two, three, one, isn't it? Yeah. One year, four of the four, two, three, one. Maybe right. it's, uh, and like and, and like you said you, to your point earlier, way earlier about Will Trap, this contract that the the contract being picked up to, makes it feel like they're probably going to continue to build around him, and I feel like that is the absolute wrong person to decide to do that with. See, Jeremy, oh. I said this on the post loon show. It's exactly yeah. what I said. Um, <laughs> I got, I'm glad you agreed, Dom, because yeah. uh, yeah. I was worried I was the only one on that ship. No, and I mean not. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not. Will Trap is obviously good at good at good at soccer. He's been doing it for a while. But uh, I just see so much more reason to invest in Dotson. But but yeah, I I, I I'm nervous at how sensible or not sensible, how realistic your theory sounds, and it sounds like something this team would do. So you know, I I, I would hate to see it happen personally. My personal opinion would be that. But uh, but yeah, look, he he certainly doesn't deserve to be a bench player. He certainly deserves to be playing somewhere regularly. He also deserves to probably, to Jacob's point, play in a position he's actually, you know, skilled at being, and not being uh, randomly a defender and a wiener and a this and a that. Um, and and so that could, you know, much like the toy situation, because of minutes, because of formation, because of tactics, that could just end up having him leave. And I think that'd be a huge, huge loss for Minnesota. I was thinking about this the other day, and this conversation made me kind of come back to it. 
if you took Minnesota United's back seven from 2019, so defensive midfield, defense, and goalkeeper, and mixed it with this boxer? front. Who is uh, that center back? Icopara. Icopara. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. There so goes. if you take <laughs> that back Brand seven hard. and you mix it with the 2021 front four. Mm. Wow. Okay. Can I make a change? Wow. There? I want Robin Lude at striker and I want Kevin Molino at right wing. Adrian Anu to the bench. You can't, you know, you don't, you don't get to, you don't get to mess with my, my, <laughs> I, I'm making a change. Theory, I'm making just, a change. It's making an executive we're, we're decision. We're taking sections of the field and we're just piecing them together based off the years. But I think we take <laughs> seven in this front four. In terms of where they where yeah. career wise where this back seven was yeah. at in 2019, you know, in prime, no, I, I, whatever. I agree. I agree. Like, man, that's just a couple years you kind of you miss out on that. But I do think, and that what made me think of that is you're talking about the four two three one. The four two three one from a defensive perspective looked damn good when you had Jan Gregish at the eight, Ozzy Alonso at the six, and the stud young guy Hassani Dotson coming off the bench. Like that was fantastic but things just sort of pieces moved in a way that was just i think ineffective over these last couple of years and i do think that will trap and Asani dotson both being natural eights because i agree with you jacob if you can bring a six to mesh with them i i would love to see sort of that three defensive okay. setup okay i can i can maybe work with that um Okay. Okay. I, yeah. I, I'd be willing to hear it out for sure. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm not on the wheel track, wheel track pipe train yet. I can't, I can't, I can't turn you. So uh, we'll see. I just don't think he is worth building around. That's fair. Cause I think he's, I mean, I think he's someone who's, if you find a better player than, you'll offload him or move him to the bench pretty simply. And there's plenty of players or possible players who could do that. All right. Well, we're going to wrap salary. up. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Jacob. I'll let you finish. No, your thought. Keep going. No, continue on, on, on his large salary. You're investing in him. And by investing in him, you're not investing in Asani Dotson. And by choosing to do that, you're hindering a young talent and building around a very slightly above average player on a high salary. So there's my thought. I'm done. I can, I can see that. I'm definitely more on the pro will trap side. Um, I do think what he brought this season. Now you can argue his fit. You can argue whatever, but for what he was asked to do this season, I think he did it extremely well. I think for what for what Minnesota United had and the pieces they had in place in certain places, Will Trap was a bright spot. You can argue he shouldn't have been there to begin with, but for what he was, he was there whether we like it or not. And I think he he played particularly well. I think he kickstarted a lot of Minnesota United's uh, a lot of the success they had in the attack started with Will Trap. Um, yes, defensively, I think they sacrificed a little bit. Um, having the the pairings that they did as opposed to what we've seen in the past, as opposed to what may be ideal. But 
when you just look at his play on the fields, he was a major contributor for Minnesota United this season. So the way things stand and the way the pieces are, I'm okay with the the option being picked up. And I'm okay with him staying with Minnesota United for the foreseeable future. But I do see your point, and I do agree with it to some extent, that it really makes things weird with Hassani Dotson. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's not like Will Trapp's a guy you're pulling out in the 55th and 60th minute and Hassani Dotson's going to play more than a half hour at the eight to finish off the game either, right? Like these are two guys that can go 90 at the eight. And when you have only have one, when you play a formation where there's only one eight spot, it just Can I make another case, Jeremy? Really weird. Go for it. Uh, one of my favorite all-time players who has had quite the journey himself is now a free agent. Um, Brazilian Paulinho. Uh, you might remember him from his uh, brief Tottenham days, um, but he's been playing in China the past uh, few years, and he's now a free agent at the age of 33. Um, if you need a short fix, um, I would adore him in MLS. I think he is an incredible player and one of the most underrated players, and it is absolutely a crime that he was never part of the Brazilian national team's main fixture. Um Free agent. I, I love the idea of it. I dig it. I like it. Okay. Okay. That, I got one person on board. Point. <laughs> that brings up a good point. I think it's a good way to finish this conversation. So when you look at Minnesota United's core, in the front four, you have some youth there, or at least some younger guys. But when you yep. look at what's kind of been the backbone of this Minnesota United team, it's been their defense. Kai DeBassi, Michael Boxall, Roman Metnair. These guys are, are not getting any younger. That window, it's open still. It's open, but we're starting to see the end, not the end of the road, but we're starting to get to a point where there's more of a sense of urgency on we're going to make a run at MLS Cup. It needs to well, the we contracts need to expedite the process a little bit. The contracts of Montgomery and Kibunguchi being picked up make me think that there's belief and possibly a center back pairing there. Uh, I, I was surprised to see Montgomery picked up. I really was. Uh, but it makes me think that uh, there's belief there. So there's your youth. I highly doubt they bring in another center back prospect around that age. They're going to bring in someone in their mid to late 20s, uh, maybe early 30s to be a, uh, another option. But uh, I think there's belief there in the youth for those two. As, as for fullback, there's DJ Taylor. Um, who was fine, was a fine mm. fix for. Yeah, he's green. He's definitely green, but very green. It's not a bad thing either. Uh, mm. But my question was going to be, and you you kind of sparked this with with your answer. You, you you're kind of at a position where if you want to make a run in the next two years, which is kind of I think the next two or three years, which I think is really that prime window opportunity for Minnesota United, you're going to have to do two things. A, you're going to have to bring in short term guys who can contribute in that window but you also cannot neglect the future in that process you have the u22 initiative that you can take advantage of what it seems like minnesota united are interested in contributing to obviously with the rafael navarro uh rumors and the way those those negotiations have have sort of started but you need to invest in the future while also investing in the now how does minnesota united effectively find that balance it's a very open-ended question, but I'm genuinely curious if you guys have any any thoughts on that. Utilize your scouts. Utilize your academy. 
like the Philadelphia Union have, like uh, FC Dallas has, and grow. Simple. That's that's the answer. I'll yeah. just add that that um, this is this is a equally kind of vague way to answer a very broad question. Um, that uh, you know, I, I I do think that the immediate answer is what Jacob said, but this is like my broader my broader response is th- this team unfortunately over the years has has garnered a certain reputation for 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 oopsie transfers from the Fernando Bobs to the Brandon Allen loan in the first year to to Maximiliano to to uh, uh, well this year I mean the whole the Chacon situation the Abula situation uh, you know almost uh, I mean Angelo Rodriguez to a degree some people let's not forget Bertrand Oundieko now okay let's not (laughs) former Forge FC player after us I believe Uh, I think he technically won the CPL Um, all of that Franz Paynop Shout out to Franz Payne up. Uh, all of all of that, the the constant, I'm going to say oopsie transfers again because we're trying to be a family friendly podcast. Uh, all of that, which I it felt like was kind of gone this year, but then you have the Abula and the Chacon situations, and you have all this stuff still kind of happening in the background. That they they have to find a way to stop doing it. It's way it's wasting time. It's wasting money. It's wasting wasting spots. It's wasting international spots. It's it's it's. We, we talked about how you were talking about how, you know, this winter's going to have to be a reset. Why is it a reset? I thought we did that like a year and a half ago. Why, why are we resetting again? You know, that, that constant need to fix mistakes you made the last transfer window is never going to allow us to, to, to finish any projects because the project never even gets started. So, you know, that's a very broad criticism, but it's a thing that I constantly see the team doing. And and it needs the, the the sharpness of transfers, the sharpness of scouting needs to be different. It just needs to be different. We wasted a DP spot on a guy that played like six games for us, and then we loaned it back to Uruguay, and we're never going to see him again, probably. Like, what was that? They were they had his face over the stadium, and then he barely ended up playing for the for the team. And it, it's just all the the Abila thing. There was so much hype because he knew Reynoso; they were good friends. And then again, halfway through us having him, we just bump his loan to another team it, it's there's just so much chaos i like with, oopsie transfer i think that's a great transfer. word it's 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 my new hashtag uh, i like it. it there's just so much chaos with the way this team interacts with the transfer market and i think it it doesn't allow for like mature decisions to be made that will that will result in a successful season at just a broad level uh and and i think whoever is responsible for that i imagine it's probably multiple people uh something needs to be done. It, it's not an old, it's not a 2017 problem back when we weren't so great. It happened that time. It's happening right now though. And there's a lot of different people in charge now. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I, I'm going to start probably repeating myself. I talk about it more, but it, it, it's just, for me, it's the glaring problem with this team is the constant. I mean, even some of the criticisms that, you know, Jake was pointing out about Reynoso as like a DP in that Portland game. It sounds like we're talking about Quintero three years ago. I mean, what you know, it it all feels like it all feels like a, a big, constant cycle. Sometimes, like the the conversations that pop up about the problems with players, the problems with transfers. So yeah, for for me, that's like the the grand sweeping off season correction that needs to be made. 
is how how do we be more mature in the transfer market? How do we how do we really think through these choices and pick guys that we actually need to pick and not use DP spots that aren't actually going to be played and, and and dump money on players that aren't actually going to help? Uh, you can't expect a season to go well if you're performing like that. This team, it's it's very very like the highs are high, but to your point, Dom, the lows are low with how this team has conducted the transfer market. Yeah. Mano Reynoso, probably the highest impact player that this organization has seen and probably will see over the next five, six years. Franco Fragapane, get him for pennies on the dollar, what he's probably worth. Huge impact player. Robin Lud had a rough start, really settled in, become a high impact player. But you are absolutely right, Dom. When this team has missed, they have missed very badly. And they have missed very, like, they've missed in spots where you just simply cannot miss. Young DP. You can't miss on a young DP. And we don't even know if they really missed. They just didn't follow it up with giving the kid a chance to play. Right. Right? Yeah. Which is almost worse, (laughs) in my opinion. It's almost worse. Because then it's like, we don't even know if it was a good idea. Mm -hmm. It's like, they didn't think it was a good idea. I mean, you know, it, it, it's just, it's, yeah, very frustrating to me. Jacob, any thoughts on this? I think Dom covered it perfectly. Not really much to add. It's immature. It's uh, it's not good enough. So, two words, be better. Be better. I think that's a great mantra to end this podcast on. Be better. Because, I mean, we... The potential's there. Like, we've seen what this Minnesota United team can be. We saw it at the end of last season and into the playoffs last season. Like, like there is so much potential with this team and with this organization where it can go. But there are these things, these little, little things that are holding the team back in a way that is far greater than they should. And if those little things get tightened up and cleaned up, I think we'll really, really see the 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 ceiling that this team has because we haven't seen it yet. The floor is very high for this team, but where's the ceiling, right? That's the biggest Jeremy, question, and I think this offseason will answer a lot of that. I'm going to change it to seven words instead of two. Be better, but also sign Olivier Giroud. <laughs> Be better, but also sign Olivier Giroud. Yeah, seven words. Good job. There you go. Hey, I can math. A journalism major can math. <laughs> That's true. Uh, when I bought my cookies from you, there was a, the exact amount of cookies that you said there would be in each package. Ah, so I do know you can I got it right. Jacob, <laughs> uh, Jacob I'm going to give you the floor here uh, to end off. Uh, you're baking some Christmas cookies, some really damn oh, good yeah. ones. I had them for Thanksgiving, and they were awesome. So why don't you tell the fine people how they can – take advantage of your baking skills head to instagram search jacob's cookie shop one word j-a-c-o-b cookies shop um selling all sorts of christmas cookies custom orders party trays christmas treats hot cocoa bombs all sorts of stuff um i'm still searching for full-time work i'm still a freelance writer full-time at the moment so this is something fun i decided to do in addition to my writing uh because everybody needs a little holiday cheer around the holiday season. Um, everybody needs a little pick-me-up here and there. And for me, this is a pick-me-up personally because it brings me happiness, but it also allows me to share happiness with you guys um, from my kitchen to yours. So 
Jacob's Cookie Shop on Instagram. As always, uh, at underscore Jacob Schneider on Twitter. Uh, lots of soccer takes. Um, lots of really bad yeah. ones. Lots of really good ones. Uh, if you want, like want in-depth analysis and response on what's happening in Europa League at like 1.30 p.m. on a <laughs> Tuesday, Jacob's your guy. I got you. Thursdays, actually. But, uh, hey, you're close enough, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey. Jacob's Cookie Shop on Instagram. Uh, recommendation, get the chocolate espresso snow caps. Those things are I can't, we can't, I, I guess we've decided that we can't curse on this podcast, even though I've cursed twice during this episode. Yeah, well. So I will refrain from cursing here. Family friendly show. <laughs> uh, they are freaking awesome. Glad to hear Jeremy. Appreciate you. Right. Appreciate your support. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure, Dominic, Jeremy too. Uh, great conversation. We'll see what this off season holds. Who knows? It'll be exciting for a lot of the supporters. It'll be interesting for media members because there should be opportunity and I hope to uh, I hope to get some more in-depth pieces out there this uh, this winter, kind of talking about this season with MLSsoccer.com. So uh, stay tuned there, folks. All right, Jacob Schneider, ZoneCoverage.com and MLSsoccer.com, Minnesota United writer. Dominic Jose Bazzono, you can find him on the weekly 10,000 Pitches podcast along with us, also co-founder of Foodva English. Uh, Dom, Jacob, appreciate you guys as always. I'm sure we'll all talk. I mean, Dom, I know we'll talk soon. Jacob, we'll talk soon as well in the chat. I'm sure.